0: I know that many of you have heard the, the old story about the fellow who went to hear a preacher preach a, a sermon, and the next day his, his friend asked him, what did the preacher preach about? And he said, I don't know. He didn't say. That's a really bad commentary on a preacher, isn't it? That you could go and listen to him and not know what he talked about when he got done. Preachers need to do better than that for sure. I think all of us here, if you were asked to name a preacher that you really liked to hear, either past or present, some, some preacher that you really uh, respected, you 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 know the guy and you know the manner of his preaching and you really appreciate that, I think we all have that sort of thing in mind. Preachers, they're, preachers are good, preachers are bad, uh, we understand that. All preachers need to try to do their very best whenever they have an opportunity to present the Word of God. But on the other side of that coin, preachers are one aspect of the the teaching, learning process. But the other side of the coin is the listeners. Listeners have a duty, too. It's not just all up to the preacher. The preacher has an important job to do, and he needs to do his very best. But listeners have a responsibility as well. The very best preachers can't be effective toward a poor learner. And so listeners have a job. And that's our study this morning. We want to ask a very simple question this morning. Are you a good listener? We want to talk about some of the things that a good listener does and doesn't do. We'll get into that in just a minute. We stop here uh, to add words of welcome to those that have already been extended. We appreciate you all very much. Uh, It's a a cold, wintry morning in middle Tennessee. We haven't had a lot of winter this winter, but we have it this morning. And you have braved the elements and come out, and we appreciate you for that. Thanks for being here. Thanks to our visitors who've come today. We're just encouraged to be able to spend time together worshiping God. Uh, it, it's a great privilege, and we're glad that you see the value in that and that you've come to be a part of it. Uh, we pray above all else that God will be glorified by our worship this morning. Thanks for being here. The text for our study is the one that was read to us by way just a few moments ago from Acts chapter 17. And this Acts chapter 17, verse 11, is a really familiar verse to us. But we want to just take some observations from it this morning. The Bereans were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with great eagerness, examining the Scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. A little bit of background here uh probably is helpful. These events at the city of Berea occurred on what we call Paul's second missionary journey. And on this second missionary journey, just prior to arriving at Berea, Paul had first been in Philippi. And you may remember that what happened in Philippi was that he and Silas got beaten and thrown in jail, kept in a dungeon, so to speak. And, of course, uh, they were... Uh, there was a miracle associated with an earthquake that led them to the opportunity to teach the jailer. They converted the Philippian jailer, but then they pretty much had to leave town. They left Philippi and they went to Thessalonica. And there was a big uproar in Thessalonica as well, and they had to basically flee from Thessalonica uh, because their personal safety was at risk. And so they've just been having trouble everywhere they go. The the truth of God's Word is, is being persecuted but they continue preaching that message. so the contrast here in Acts chapter 17 verse 11 where it talks about more noble-minded the Brians were more noble-minded than those people back there in Thessalonica where Paul and Silas had just been uh, where they basically got run out of town so that's what, that's sort of the, the background setting. Uh, for these considerations. Now, the first thing that we want to do is talk about a couple of things that good listeners do not do. First of all, good listeners or good hearers are not prejudiced. I think you have a full comprehension of the idea of being prejudiced and actually that word sort of defines itself, doesn't it? Prejudged. You have everything. You you've already prejudged. You have your mind already made up. That prejudice is sometimes seen in, uh, in in the case of people who definitely decide before ever opening their Bibles. They decide what they believe on a subject. They, they, their minds are made up, uh, and they haven't really searched the Scriptures. And it really doesn't matter which Scriptures you might share with them. They have their mind made up. Sometimes you see that, for instance, in the case of people, Christians, who are determined that they are going to engage in mixed swimming. They're going to go to to the swimming places. They're going to go to the swimming beaches. They're going to dress like the people of the world dress when they go there. And I don't care what you say about that. Their mind is already made up. Or maybe it's a young person who is determined they're going to go to the school dance. Maybe especially the, the prom. They're going to go to the prom. And, and although you may share some Bible verses uh, about the evils of modern dancing, their mind is made up. They're going to the prom, and you can't change that. That's a prejudiced mentality. Would you agree? Or maybe this prejudice is, is evidenced in the case of some people who are just so totally wedded to what they believe that they won't even consider that they might be wrong. And perhaps an example of that sort of thing would be someone who says, "Listen, I do what I do religiously because my parents did uh my mother was one of the sweetest, dearest Christian women you ever knew, and she would i mean if she believed it, I believe it because she was so special or my my grandparents before them uh, they, they believed this, therefore I am going to believe this uh." They just, they, they, they they completely link to what they already believe. They won't even consider something else. That what they believe might be wrong or something else might be a correction of their view. Well, this prejudice mentality we're talking about, it might be evidenced in the kind of people who will, uh, start with what they want to believe. In other words, I already know the conclusion that I want. And then they formulate passages to try to make it look like their conduct is justified. Uh, a good example of this sort of prejudice would be maybe the question of marriage, divorce, and remarriage. Uh, I, I've, I've got a, an agenda here. Either me or someone close to me is in a marriage that some people view as questionable, but I'm going to try to assemble a series of verses or make an argument to just because my... my My conclusion is I want to justify this marriage. Therefore, I'm going to try to line things up so that I can justify this marriage that some people say is not scriptural. All of that sort of thing, probably more scenarios that you could paint, suggest someone who is prejudiced. But a good hearer is not prejudiced. A good hearer doesn't have his mind already prejudged on any important subject. Jesus When speaking about the Jews in his generation, he said, This people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes have they closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. Notice Jesus said, Their ears are dull of hearing. He wasn't there suggesting that they had... Physical hearing loss that maybe in our day and time someone would fit them out with hearing aids. That's not what he's talking about. Obviously, their ears were dull of hearing. Not that they couldn't hear the sounds, but that they just wouldn't listen. Their minds were already made up. These people were bad hearers. Would you agree? They were bad hearers because they were prejudiced in their in their minds. In Second Timothy chapter four, beginning verse three. Paul said, the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own love shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned to fables. You get the the idea of what Paul's suggesting there? There's going to come a time when people, they don't want to hear the truth, the plain, unadulterated truth of God's Word. Instead, they're going to seek out preachers who will say what they want to hear. They'll line up speakers who will tell them what they like, they're prejudiced. And they're not going to listen to anything other than what they already have made up their minds to do. Have you ever heard of uh, the idea of doctor shopping? That's become a problem in our day and age where people, especially people who want to uh, acquire access to prescription drugs, they'll go around to different doctors shopping a doctor, shopping different doctors until they can get prescriptions for the drugs they want because they have an addiction problem. They go doctor shopping. Well, here Paul is describing some people who will go preacher shopping. Uh, They're going to just shop around until they'll find a preacher who tells them they're all right doing what they want to do. And that's a form of prejudice that simply does not serve us well, will keep us from knowing and learning the truth and being right with God. So, our first observation is that good hearers are not prejudiced. Notice, these people in Thessalonica, uh, they received the word. They weren't prejudiced. They were willing to accept the message that Paul was preaching there. Our next observation here is uh, that good hearers are not gullible. Um, Notice up here it says that they received the word with great eagerness examining the Scriptures to see whether those things were so. So they didn't just swallow down anything that was told to them. They wanted to check it out. Um, You ever know somebody who was real gullible, who would believe just almost anything that someone told them? Probably all of us have run into folks like that on occasion. In our day and time, it, it almost has become a joke when someone says something and they say, I read it on the Internet. And everybody's, oh, yeah, it's on the Internet. It must be true, right? That's, that's, beca- that's just become a, a joke phrase, hasn't it? But there are some people, if they hear it or they see it on the Internet, if they read it, if someone tells them, they're inclined to believe it. We live in the day, of course, the expression now is we live in the day of fake news. I mean, people are telling stuff that just absolutely is not so. Well, that's a problem in religion too. Uh, it, it's a problem in religion that some people just believe whatever they're told. They don't check it out. Their expression might be, "My preacher told me so. It must be right because my preacher told me so." No, that doesn't make it right, right. And we we need to be more like these Bereans. They were not gullible. They weren't just going to. Although they received the message from Paul, notice they examined the scriptures to see whether those things were so. When you think about this, when Paul came to the city of Berea, he was preaching new information about Jesus Christ, the resurrected son of God. You got to think about that. That would have that would have been a very challenging thing to accept. That to us we've grown up understanding Jesus is the resurrected son of God. But for those people, this was a new message. This was this was a whole new kind of thing to think about. Uh They were open-minded to receive the message, but they weren't gullible. They were determined to find out if it was so. They weren't going to be just misled by some persuasive speaker. They wanted to verify. And that's a noble aspect of their character. It says so here in this passage. Not gullible. Determined to check it out. Actually, Paul was okay with that sort of thing because he even instructed people First Thessalonians 5, verse 21. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. And so, uh, when they said, okay, Paul, we'll listen to what you have to say, but we're going to check it out. Paul wouldn't have been offended with that approach. In fact, he would encourage that approach. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. In First John chapter 4, verse 1, the Apostle John says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. It was so back then almost 2,000 years ago, and it's still true today. In fact, it may be even more so true today. There are many false prophets gone out into the world. And that being the case, we need to try the spirits to see whether they're telling the truth. Unfortunately, some people just don't like that. Some people don't like it when we do this that we're actually told to do, try the spirits, whether they are of God. Some people oppose that approach. Even just recently, uh, here at College View on Wednesday night, uh, we've been studying about various religious denominations and what some of their beliefs and practices are. We've been comparing it to the Bible. Did you know that there was even a negative reaction to that sort of study being conducted? Uh, I received some criticism over the fact that we would even have such a study as that, right here at College View. And so there's some people who don't want to try the spirits, right? Right? i got to tell you, that's, that's wrong. The Scriptures instruct us to do so. And so again, our point is, good hearers, not prejudiced, but also not gullible. And we need to imitate the noble Bereans in this regard. Let me suggest to you that good hearers are zealous for the truth of God's Word. I want to take you to a more expanded, uh, on that chart... We have just verse 11, but let let me go to the the broader context here to make an observation about these Bereans. Notice, it says, The brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. When they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. I want you to concentrate the first place they went often. This was Paul's typical approach in a new city to go to the synagogue of the Jews. Now these were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. Many of them therefore believed among, uh, along with a number of prominent Greek women and men. Well, uh, first of all, notice that they. we, We talk about they received the word, great eagerness. But notice this: examining the scriptures daily, to see whether those things were so. I want you to think about this for a minute. These were Jews of the synagogue in Berea. They're going to examine the Scriptures. How are they going to do that? Well, it's almost certain that none of them had their own copy of the written Scriptures. Because, of course, nobody had a bound copy of the Word of God. They weren't even binding in the first centuries. They didn't even have processes where they could bind books together. And so the Scriptures would have been on handwritten scrolls. And they would have been big, and they would have been cumbersome, and you don't have one. So this says that they examined the Scriptures. Well, that means almost certainly means that they would have had to go to the synagogue and use whatever copies of written Scriptures existed at the synagogue. That's where Jews assembled on the Sabbath day in various cities. Uh, Jews in this city would have gotten together on a Sabbath day and they would have read from a very precious, exclusive copy uh, of written scriptures. Again, we, as we said, they would have been large and, and they would have been cumbersome. And they would not have had the chapter and verse divisions that we have in our Bibles today. I've done a little reading about that. Did you know that the, the chapter divisions uh, in our Bibles today originated with a... Catholic Bishop named Langton in twelve twenty seven they didn't have chapter divisions until they were added in twelve twenty seven the verses uh that divide the chapters up weren't added until the Geneva Bible was printed in fifteen sixty and so chapter and verse divisions are are a new thing. Uh, we have them, but they didn't have them back then. They would have these big scrolls and they would have had to search through those scrolls couldn't go couldn't they couldn't say for instance of the book of Isaiah. They got this big scroll. It's a handwritten copy of Isaiah. Go to to chapter 53. It talks about the the suffering Savior. They don't have chapter 53. They're going to have to search through that whole scroll to find that text that talks about the suffering Savior. And so searching the Scriptures, uh, or examining the Scriptures, would have been a very challenging text, a very challenging test or assignment for them. But notice, they were doing it daily, daily. So on a daily basis, they were so determined to, to, to know the truth that on a daily basis, very likely, they would have to travel to the synagogue location, get out those handwritten scrolls of the Old Testament and search through them diligently to find out if the prophecies of the Messiah actually fit up with what Paul was telling them about Jesus Christ pretty pretty daunting task, All of, say all of that to say simply they were zealous to know the truth. What about us? We have such free and open access to the Bible. All of us have Bibles. All of our kids have Bibles. We have multiple copies of the Bibles. we got Bibles in different English translations. To, you know, you can kind of compare one English translation to another one to see if, See if you can get a better sense of the meaning. We've got study aids galore. Now we've even got them we, not only on our computers but on our phones and we carry them around in our pockets and we have all access to the Word of God. Are we examining the Scriptures daily? These Bereans were noble because they were, they were good hearers in that sense. They were very zealous to know the truth of God. And then let me suggest to you that good hearers are also doers. Go back to that text, the broader text from Acts chapter 17 again, and notice, after they had examined the Scriptures to see whether those things were so, many of them therefore believed. And so they accepted the truth that they had heard. This is really a simple point, but such a necessary point. Good hearers, take to heart the message when they hear it. They're, they're, they're not prejudiced. They will consider. But they're not gullible. You're going to have to convince them. They're going to, but they're zealous. They're going to work really hard to figure out what the truth is. And when that process has reached its fruition, they're going to apply the message that they heard. Good hearers take to heart the message. Consider again these Bereans. In becoming believers, and that is believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, I want you to think for a minute about the kind of things that they would have had to give up. Right? They had to give up a lot to be a believer in Jesus Christ. We Remember, we already said that this was taking place among those who were at the synagogue of the Jews. These were Jews. And so... If they're going to believe in Jesus Christ, they're going to have to give up their practice in the Jews' religion. This is a whole different thing, right? The law of Moses has been abolished. The observance of Jewish practices has been ended. They're going to have to stop doing that and start doing something entirely different. It's hard to change. It's really hard to change. They're going to make that change because they're committed to the truth of God. But i tell you something else. In becoming believers, they also probably, we don't know the details here, but it's not hard to imagine that they probably would suffer alienation from their friends. They're going to have some Jewish friends who didn't become believers, right? Uh, By the way, we know that in the next verses, the people in this town get stirred up and Paul and Silas have to leave this town as well. Paul does, at least, I think, Paul, uh, goes alone from here to uh, maybe Athens. This is not going to be a popular thing. They're probably going to be alienated with, from friends and from family. They're going to lose maybe some of the influence that they have in the city. They, If you stop to think about it, it's, there's a possibility they might even lose their job and their livelihood to become a believer in Jesus Christ. Well, I want to tell you something. A good hearer does that. A good hearer, when he finds out this is true, will do it at all costs. And that, of course, is the challenge for us. When we learn the truth, are we committed to doing it no matter what? In James chapter 1, beginning verse 22, this is sort of a famous text to us. James 1, verse 22 begins, Be ye doers of the Word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves, for if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in the glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Be ye doers of the word, not hearers only. We've been talking about being a hearer. There are, But there are good hearers and bad hearers. Bad hearers just hear. Good hearers hear and do. The picture that James paints here in this passage is is really interesting. If you just stop for a minute to try and imagine it in your mind, he talks a man talks about a man beholding his natural face in a glass. We would say a man looking at himself in the mirror. But he he goes he leaves the mirror. And straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. And I think about that. He said, "What would be the the sense of looking at yourself in a mirror and not making the corrections that you need to make and just going off?" So I, I, I look in the mirror, uh, and, and there's that. There's there's some of that jelly that was on my biscuit this morning. You know, still right there on the corner of my mouth. You know. And and my hair is still I still got the bed head you know I haven't even combed my hair since I got up out of bed this morning, and I look in the mirror and I see that I got I got the bed head I got the jelly on my I just turn and walk away and don't do it. I don't take time to wipe the jelly off I don't take time to comb my hair well, that doesn't even make sense right that's silly nobody would do that. James says, though, that if you look into the perfect law of liberty and see yourself there, you see what's wrong, you see the corrections that you need to be making, but you just turn and walk away without doing anything, he says that's just like looking in the mirror and not correcting what you see in the mirror. We need to understand that good hearers, when they learn the truth, do what the truth instructs them to do. And so, here's a familiar passage to us, I think. Acts 17, verse 11, it talks about the Bereans, more noble than the people in Thessalonica, where Paul just got ran out of town. And the reason why they were noble? They received the word. they were open-minded, willing to hear what was said. They received the word with eagerness, but not gullible. They searched the Scriptures to see whether those things were so. They examined the Scriptures daily. They're very zealous to know the truth, and when they found the truth, they became believers. These are good hearers in Thessalon, in uh, Berea, rather. These are good hearers in Berea. Are you a good hearer? Are we good hearers of the message of God's word? Certainly we need to be. And good hearers do what? what the Word of God teaches them to do. And we'll use that to simply lead us to our invitation song. Have you done what God's word tells you to do? First of all, have you become a Christian? The Word of God simply says, Hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized for the remission of sins. You've heard that. Will you do that? If you, if you are of accountable age and understanding, if you've not done that, you need to make that decision without delay. If you're a Christian already, but you've not been faithful to the Lord, the Scriptures tell us to come back to Him through repentance, confession, and prayer. If you need to do that, we're anxious to assist you in that way too. If we can help, let us know while we stand and sing this song.